0: Hello, brothers and sisters. Welcome back to the XX Mormon Podcast. I, of course, am Elder Jackson. I'll be conducting the meeting today. Uh, this is, however, a personal priesthood interview, so I'm going to turn the time over to Bishop Jensen to introduce our uh, our guest.
1: So, our guest is all the way from Australia, <clears throat> Brother Paul, host of the Book of Boredom podcast. So, welcome to our uh, our show, Brother Paul.
2: Hey, elder and bishop, thanks for having me. It's good to be here.
1: <laughs> yeah, we uh,
2: we. Love I haven't it. called anybody elder or bishop for so long. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: so,
2: so it's good, good. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, brother Paul, you were uh, were you raised in the church?
2: Yeah, yeah, I was. My parents joined uh, when they were teenagers, and so yeah, right. me and my brothers were all born and raised.
1: So, what was what was the church like when you were you growing up? Were there a lot of members in your uh, your city or town, or? Was it kind of um, like a small fringe religion where you were at, or?
2: Oh no, we, we had quite a few wards and stakes in the area. Um, right. In the nineties, actually, there was—I'm uh, not sure if it was the same where you guys are—but we had a bit of um, rapid growth for a little while in the nineties, and yeah. then as far as I know, it's all gone backwards again since. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, things—the church was fairly strong in Brisbane. There was a good network, hmm. right?
1: Did you guys have like a lot of activities and like? road shows and talent shows and oh
2: yeah yeah dances yeah, we did all and... of that. yeah did all of that that was always fun so yeah there was always interstate uh sports competitions and road shows and dances and yeah the, the whole works
0: yeah right we i i'm i'm curious what like were you into it as a kid like was that was that a big thing for you or was it kind of like dragged yeah. along with the family
2: no, I, I was hardcore. In I guess I didn't know any better. But, <laughs> <was> <laughs> uh, you know, the majority of my friends were in the church. My social life was at church. Yeah, kind of everything revolves around around the church. So, hmm. um, interesting thing, though, I, I looking back, I did have a rational, critical brain back then. I just didn't know it. Like I could pick fault with every other religion and prove why they're false. But then never never apply that to the own my own church, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I, but, but yeah, I, I was I was as hard for believing it as you you could get really.
1: So did you go on a mission? Did you make? It I that did. Far? I
2: went, yeah, yeah. I I went to uh, poor old Japan. Yep, did, did my two years over there. Oh, really? So, yeah. How's your
1: Japanese?
2: Uh, a little bit rusty, but not too bad. So, right. Uh, oh, really. Loved. Yeah, I went over there a few years ago for the first time in a while, and um, yeah, I was able to, to communicate pretty well. Um, interestingly enough, I found the more I drank, the better my Japanese got for some reason. So, <laughs> so we had some late nights out in Tokyo where I was just mixing it up with everybody. It was awesome.
1: Oh, great! That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, did you have any kind of? Did you ever pray about the Book of Mormon? Did you ever have like a spiritual experience? <laughs>
2: That's something interesting, actually, that I've been thinking about recently. You know, especially as you said, I've got the Book of Boredom podcast. So we're doing the, the reread of the book, yeah. which you know I, I haven't read in like twenty years. But the crazy thing is, looking back, I always had questions and doubts about it. Hmm. Um, but my thing was always, "I'll I'll find out eventually." You know, like I may not know the answer now, but one day I'll know. You know, just no question, have faith. But the the whole praying about a thing, that was something that confused me because I had so many times where I knelt down and prayed earnestly and I'm like, give me that burning in the bosom, give me that feeling. And we actually had one time on my mission now, mission present challenged us all to find a sacred grove in our districts, like a nice little forest area somewhere near where where we lived and challenged us as districts to all kneel down together and pray until we had that, uh, that feeling and never had it. Never had that burning feeling. Never had that overwhelming yes, this is true. The only thing that kept happening, I guess, was my cognitive dissonance kicking in, mm. and my brain just saying, "Oh, you don't need that burning feeling because you know it's true." And that was sort of the way I rationalized my way around it. So, oh, I know it's true. So you know, everybody gets their thing a little bit different. Everybody's answer's a little bit different. I know it's true. I don't need that that fire feeling about it. So, but mm. it was more just my brain telling me, "No, there's nothing here."
1: That's amazing, because I remember having that same internal dialogue when I was a missionary.
2: Mm. <laughs> yeah, the, just... the
0: whole, everybody yeah. feels the spirit differently, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And you I've ration-
1: always known it's true. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, exactly. You rationalize the lack of an answer as being an answer. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, where, where did you both serve?
1: So, I served in England. And, okay. Uh, Elder Jackson, just I, ne- didn't go. I,
0: I never went on a mission. I, <laughs> a <boy>. I, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I I was getting up to that age and I was like, wait a second, I don't know if I can like sell this. You know, I was like, it works for me, but I don't know if I can sell it. And then, yeah. uh, and so I kind of put it off. I was like, oh, yeah, no, I'm just preparing, I'm talking to the bishop, you know, excuse, excuse, yeah. excuse, excuse yeah, before yeah. I finally was like, ah i'm 22 now i'm just moving on you know
2: okay
0: uh would still definitely get the uh oh you can still go (laughs) thing but no i i I managed out of it
2: Uh, in my defense i wasn't a very good missionary (laughs) Uh, I i had a lot of fun i didn't convert many people though i just you know kind of spread happiness and cheer around the place
0: more than anything so hey that's right. that's not bad and you got a two-year trip yeah. to japan so
2: yeah 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 just just a shame i couldn't enjoy it more i had to do the church stuff yeah, yeah. yeah it would been would have been good to have the two-year paid holiday and be able to do whatever i wanted but that wasn't an option so uh,
1: yeah i i look back on some of the places i served in and just thought you know it would have been really great to do the tourist stuff and just actually live and be among the people instead yes. of trying to convert them all the time
2: and just exactly. find out where, where, where in England uh, were you?
1: so it was the manchester mission but it was really just the whole northwest like from the scotland okay. border to north wales okay yeah, yeah.
2: but yeah. it was
1: well, uh, yeah i i mean i came home thinking i don't know a damn thing about the english or mm. english people or english culture because all i was doing was selling mormonism 24
2: 7 yeah yeah that's similar to me. I came home thinking I understood Japan and the Japanese right. culture, but but again, you're only seeing such a small snapshot of it mm-hmm. yeah. because it, you're still stuck in the Mormon bubble. So when I went back over years later as, as a non-member, I saw a whole different version of Japan, and you know got a whole greater understanding for it. Yeah, uh, go back to England, England. I've got all my family from England. It's an awesome place. Oh, really? So how? Like yeah. how
1: how? Uh, so your parents weren't convicts in the chain gang in Australia did they when did they move over to
2: No they moved <laughs> over in the early 70s so uh, oh, okay. Dad moved Dad moved over first as a teenager Right so they they came to Australia as what they called the 10 pound poms Okay so so basically post World War 2 there was a period where Australia was offering 10 10 pound flights for oh, really? British people to come to Australia and immigrate yeah so Oh wow my, so my dad came over with his family and did that, and then he went back to England to marry my mom. and then, yeah, sort of early 70s, they moved here. Huh. So what,
1: which part of England is your family from?
2: Uh, Yorkshire, Bradford. Originally. Oh, really?
1: Okay. Yeah. So my my dad, uh, he moved – well, he was um, he was 12, but my grandparents moved over to Canada in the 70s as well. Okay. I so yeah. just wanted to get out of – they were from uh, – well, my grandpa's from London, my grandma's from uh, – uh, whiz Beach, Lincolnshire. Okay. Kind of area. Yeah.
2: yeah. It, was pro- it was probably similar deal to what they had with Australia, you know, like the the colonies encouraging the yeah the, the English to come and migrate. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So hmm. yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, so that was good. So yeah, well, I was born and raised in Australia. I've never actually been to England, to be honest with you. Oh really? It's still on my to-do list. So
1: that's a long way around the globe. Which yeah. way do you fly? Do you know which way you'd fly?
2: uh yeah from here you go sort of either hong kong singapore and then sort of and then uh, across here. asia and europe over that way yeah right
1: so, wow yeah. that's quite that, that is, yeah
2: yeah that's a huge flight yeah yeah about 24
0: hours and all that. yeah oh, yeah, I oh imagine. yeah yeah wow i so i i'm interested in hearing more about like your your experience after your mission how long was it before you left
2: Okay, so that that yeah, that's where the happy, rosy Mormon life sort of started to crumble for me. Um, basically, what happened was, as I said, I, I served in Japan and I just fell in love with Japan and Japanese people, and and the culture, at least what I knew of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so shortly after I got back off my mission, I met a uh, Japanese woman online through uh, an LDS chat group. Hmm. And um on paper she was like the perfect Mormon wife material. You know, she she worked in the temple, she worked for church admin in Tokyo, she'd served a mission. Um, it was like wow, this is like the dream Mormon Mormon marriage. So basically, yeah, we started chatting online, she came to Australia, spent a week here, we got engaged. I went what? over there, spent yeah, I spent I went over there, spent a couple weeks with her. Um, and then yeah, so basically what I came home off my mission in January 01 and married her in November of, of 01. And we'd only actually technically spent about three weeks together in each other's company. The rest of all being online. Right. Wow. Um, but again, it was, you know, she was the dream Mormon wife, mm-hmm. of, you know, and I prayed about it and felt good about it. And it felt like the right thing to do. So uh, married her. And then unfortunately it was the marriage from hell. Hmm. Um, She was very emotionally and verbally abusive, and um, it was like I woke up the the morning after my wedding next to a completely different person. It was like a body switch occurred or something overnight. Um, So we were together for about a year, and it was was just a year of of sheer living hell. Um, We had a son together um, here in Australia, and then a couple of months after he was born, um, I couldn't take it anymore. She kept telling me she wanted me gone, so... I, I, I kind of left. Um, but that's when my questioning of the church kind of started because what happened was with her being the way that she was uh, and she wanted to take our son back to Japan and cut me out of his life and I wanted them to stay here so I could be involved. Um, so the first thing that got me questioning was, you know, I was praying so hard every day to, to God, please help soften my wife's heart. Please help us work this marriage out. I'm committed to it. And it just got worse and worse and worse. And I was like, well, hang on, I've done all the right things. I've served a mission. I've married in the temple. I'm keeping my covenants. I'm, you know, why is this going so horribly wrong? And then she also managed to turn some members of the church and some old friends of mine against me as well and convince them that I had been the abusive one and that she had to escape and get away from me. Um, So we're talking about, you know, bishop, stake president, and even an area authority that kind of believed everything she said. Um, so then I was like, well, hang on, these men are supposed to have discernment. They're supposed to have the spirit, yet they're getting this so horribly, horribly wrong. And, um, you know, they even lied to me. They lied about me. They lied on legal documents, all sorts of stuff like that. So um, that, that sort of shook me to the core. And then um, when my son was two and a half, she was given permission by the court to take him to Japan on a holiday and never came back. Oh, wow. So basically, um, he turned eighteen last October, and I haven't seen him since he was two. Um, and so that was kind of that was the big killer for me. That messed that you know really fucked me up pretty good. I was uh you know I was chronically de- depressed. I was in a very bad place. I more or less was homeless and bankrupt there for a while. I was living out of um, hostels and that sort of stuff. And um, yeah, yeah, just had a few years where it was just hell. And, um, yeah, I, I won't elaborate too much on it, but I was just in a very dark, very bad place, really questioned the church hardcore, obviously. Um, but still had my family at the time saying, no, no, stick with the church, come back. And (laughs) one of the biggest ironies I always heard was they said, oh, you'll never see your son again if if you're not in the church. Hmm. I was like, well, hang on. I was living the church hardcore when he was taken from me in the first place. What what, what difference is living it going to cause now? Um, so, yeah, so I was in this bad place for a few years and then eventually I was like, well, I'm not gonna see my son again if I'm dead for starters. And mm-hmm. and I thought when I do see him again, I want to see I want him to see a dad who he can be proud of, who's got his life together and is doing well. So I started turning myself around. I um, you know, addressed my mental health issues, I, I got good work and just started to rebuild. But then in the process of that, there was a question of well, where am I with the church? Mm-hmm because yeah, I was sort of inactive. I'd go every now and then more or less just to keep friends and family happy, but I wasn't really feeling it. And then, um, yeah, I reached a point where my life was going pretty well again. I, was, I moved to a new town. I had a good job. I was settling in. And I was like, well, I can't be on the fence. I'm, I'm the type of person that's either all in or all out. You know? mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I can't sit here and not know. I've got to, I've got to make a decision one way or the other. Um, so basically I went really hardcore into it again. I went back to church, I started reading the Book of Mormon every day, started praying every day, and felt fucking nothing, (laughs) nothing at all. Uh, again, like you know, I was like, of all times, God, I need your assurance that this is true and you want me in it, and not a thing, not a single, you know, solid yes, this is the way to go type thing. And so it was really doing, you know, it was really messing with my head. And so in one last attempt to get into it, my, my testimony was always strongest around Joseph Smith and the Restoration. Mm. And so I thought, well, I'll study that. Let me get my faith back. In, you know, I love Joseph Smith. He, he was a hero of mine growing up, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I found a couple of books I'd never read before, which I don't know if you guys came across. Um, I know a lot of ex-Mormons know about them. There was one called Rough Stone Rolling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, an, and another one called No Man Knows My History. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you guys have read either of those or if you're aware of them. I haven't but, uh, read
0: them, but I've heard of them.
2: I made yeah, it yeah, about, but... yeah. Yeah, yeah. Basically, they tell the looks and all version of Mormon history. So, you know, the guys that wrote them had access to the church historical archives and documents and kind of wrote the whole thing out. Because they felt that the church had the right to know the, the, the entire story. Um, but in reading these books, I was like, fuck, I didn't know any of this. Mm-hmm. You know, my whole life in the church, I'm like, this is not right. This is not the official version that they've told us. And I really struggled with it. I'm like, yeah, you because know, I felt like the church had been lying to us. I was like, Joseph Smith was actually a real prick. <laughs> he, wasn't a, yeah. uh, he wasn't a heroic, good, noble man at all. He was a, he was a criminal. He was a charlatan. He, he was, you know, as, as we know, incredibly sexist and, and womanizing, he was just a horrible person. I'm just like, what the fuck? You know, every, everything I thought I believed in was clearly not true. And that, that was kind of it for me. I was like, well, hmm. I, I can't keep knowing this now and seeing this. I, I, I can't keep going with this because, you know, I, I'm not going to live a lie. So that was, it was about, well, I, was, I was what, about 28 at the time. And that's where I said, no, that's it. I'm out. So that's the, that's the journey there.
1: Wow. wow. I, uh, yeah. I, I'm going to guess, um, like growing up in Southern Alberta, like there are the the province that me and well, that Alex, uh, sorry, Elder Jackson uh, lives in and, and where I grew up. There's mm-hmm. a lot of small Mormon towns and they used to be polygamous uh, towns yep. up until like the early 1900s. So my mom knew like, or her grandparents knew children of polygamous relationships. Right. And yeah. polygamy was always this thing that we kind of knew about. And the thing there would be people in the ward or stake who are descendants from uh, the same polygamous father, but different polygamous mothers. Mm. Yeah. And like, they hated each other and had all this bad blood and stuff like that. Yeah. Like all the girls in this yeah. family are, are ugly kind of thing or, or whatever. And, and yeah. it, polygamy and a lot of the weirdness of Mormonism when you're in the Mormon belt is just kind of, mm. you pick up on it in little places. So I know there was really nothing I heard in no man knows my history or um, rough stone rolling that surprised me. Cause I always picked up little bits of it, but I just mm. imagine when you're uh, parents or converts in a part of the world where the church hasn't been established for very long, the only version you get is the whitewash version and you're mm. not, there's nobody in the ward who's like, oh, well, my great grandpa was a polygamist, you
2: know? Yeah, yeah, right. That, that, that's right. Well, uh, yeah, like polygamy was never legal in Australia, so there was never yeah. more, like the offshoot polygamist groups here. There are those who yeah. consider themselves to be the Mormon stock, though. Like, oh, okay. there's the families who were like the original converts in Australia, mm. right? So they're sort of seen as like the pioneers, you know, and the and the you know, the extra special Mormons. So just like in Utah, right. you know, there's the family names like Smith and young oh, and all okay. that. Yeah. You know, so there's a few family names here in Australia that are like, you know, the, the best, the original Mormon stock, you know, right. <laughs> and, and you know, I think it, they're great, so. yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Similar thing here in Vancouver, where I've moved to, there's like four or five key families and then they all start intermarrying and, and stuff yeah. like that. And then, uh, yeah. Similar thing. Like every steak I served in, in England, it was, Oh, you know, the, whatever family's having you over for dinner. Hey elders, that's a big deal. You know, We're like, who the hell are these people? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah and it, It's similar to, in that, you know, I think Australia, it's maybe 200,000 Mormons all up or something like that. It's not, not a huge number, but it's still enough that everybody knows each other. Right. Right. Like, like I could go to any ward now in Brisbane or Sydney and people will know who I am just by my name, you know? Um, hmm. so yeah, it's still that the close knit everybody knows everybody sort of scenario. Oh,
1: right. Okay.
2: Right. Yeah. That's interesting. It's like a,
0: a, a big fish in a small, in a small pond kind of scenario. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> nobody, yeah, nobody I mean,
2: <laughs> I, I guess because my parents have been here since the early seventies as well. I mean, they had the decades of exactly. getting to know everybody and yes. Yeah.
0: So. yeah. yeah Yeah, that is really interesting so uh, on your way out then as Mm. you're leaving as you're taking everything apart what was what was leaving like for you
2: i was very lucky in that i just moved to a new town so nobody knew me i went to church a few times but then around the time i decided to leave the church i also had to move house Mm. and so my whole thing was i'll just move house not tell them where i am and then i just you know, sneak away with nobody bothering me. Whereas if I'd made the decision and I was still living around where I grew up, I know I would have had them knocking on my door every day, pleading with me to, to come back. So it was good in that regard. And then I was also lucky in that my family got out of at the same time. So it was a pretty smooth and easy transition. I didn't get a, get a lot of uh, blowback. So, um, so yeah, that was good. Uh, for me, the timing came together really well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that works out really nicely. And how was it? Because yeah. on, on this podcast, like we talked about, we, we chat about it and then we like to, you know, move on and like, just be like, okay, that's in the past. That's, you know, it's yep. my old life. Mm. What has that experience been like for you? Has it been something that you've had to hold on to as part of your identity? Do you feel like you have to? Have you let it go? Like, I'm just curious to hear where you're at in that journey.
2: Yeah, 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 get that. So, again, I was lucky I was in a new town where I didn't know anybody, so I made a bunch of new friends. And many of them didn't know about my history. I didn't bother telling telling people, you know, it's not like, hey, I'm Paul. I'm an ex-Mormon, but I'm cool now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, You know, even when people ask me why I went to Japan, I never say, oh, well, actually, I was a Mormon missionary. I just say, oh, I I taught English, Mm. Um, which is partly true. That's one thing you do as you mission over there, you know, and then – because I'm on Facebook and I like to hang shit on the Mormons and poke fun of it people obviously right. realize I ha- I have that connection but yeah it's not like I talk about it all the time to everybody and make a big deal out of it it's just uh it's not yeah it's not part of who I am it's not my identity anymore it's something that that happened um I mean it's funny some people have asked if I regret growing up in the church and and my dad has a lot of guilt about raising us in the church hmm. um but I look at it as I had a great childhood. I made some great friends. I made some great memories. I was close to my family. Hmm. You know, it could have been a hell of a lot worse, you know, so, right. So that doesn't, so the circumstances around me getting out obviously caused a lot of hurt and that's not something that I can put aside. Um, but it's more, yeah. You know, uh, other than that side of things, it's like, yeah, I don't, Really care about the church anymore, other than I, I enjoy making fun of it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which, which is the point of my podcast, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I love making fun of it, and a lot of people say, "Oh, you're still bitter, or you can't let it go, or whatever." And I'm like, it's not that. It's just I like making fun of it. And I guess, in I guess, part of me as well kind of wants to undo some of the stuff I did when I was younger, like when I tried to convert friends or mm-hmm. when I went on a mission. It's like, yeah, I thought I had the truth. I was, I'm sorry i i was wrong i'm sorry here's, here's the actual facts but hmm. um, but having said i make fun of all religion in general anyway so yeah, <laughs> right. I, i'm not i'm not mormon specific it's it, you know, all, <laughs> all religion i like i like to make fun of
0: right right so, you can just make yeah. the best jokes about mormonism because that's what you know best that's what you're familiar yeah, yeah i know with. i know yeah. It best yeah absolutely
2: yeah, yeah. so yeah. I, and yeah and, and it, it is so weird now looking back at it you know for the first time going back over reading the book of mormon looking back over the history now with with open eyes Mm-hmm. and i just read it and i'm like how the fuck did i ever believe this <laughs> yeah like, it is just so ridiculous and yeah you, know, you read the book of mormon and it just it makes no sense whatsoever no. and yeah <laughs> uh, yeah the, the, it's just crazy but i guess when you're raised in it and you're told this is true don't question it it's all you know you, you don't question it you know so mm-hmm. yeah
1: you yeah know. i there's something like in the episodes i've listened to from the book of boredom uh as it, i love how you get patience to read it um yeah because she's she was uh, evangelical like she never read the book of mormon before so mm. she's really looking at it with eyes for like the first time and she keeps saying look at all these run-on sentences
2: yeah
1: <laughs> right she's like oh. i can't believe that was one sentence yeah and well, uh, one,
2: of the, one of the greatest ironies is you're there reading nephi and yeah. he's talking about how he's only leaving things in the book that are necessary.
1: Mm-hmm. But then he's I...
2: constantly repeating himself <laughs> using long sentences. <laughs> yeah. We, we've decided we could abridge the whole thing basically into a pamphlet.
1: Right. And it, <laughs> yeah. you know, one, one, because th- when we, my wife and I stopped going recent, like within the last couple of years, and we had a, a zealous missionary who was trying to bring us back in. And one thing oh. I'd say to him about the book of Mormon was, it's weird that he he's engraving things in metal plates and he takes the time to say, I took two stones and I struck them together and then I made fire. But then he leaves out how he makes this magic boat that crosses the ocean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> or, or how, or how he gets the, the, you know, he, he has the, it's not the detail that's in there. It's the detail that should be in there. That's not there.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah is really weird. Discussing stupid trivial shit, and then yeah. doesn't elaborate on the on the important stuff. But we also have this this running joke that Nephi must have had like the most massive bicep, right, <laughs> in the whole to... world. Just going, yeah, <laughs> like, on the Yeah, chiseling
1: yeah. nonsense all day, and he's yeah, still yeah. writing. And it came to pass all the time.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, and I know we've, right? we've got a we've got a little sound effect every time that comes up yeah. on the show as well. Just, <laughs> ding, ding. Hey, sorry. Can you guys just give me a second? I've just had someone come to the door. Oh yeah, yeah, no problem. Uh, yeah, just no hang ho- on a couple minutes.
0: Yeah, 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 no problem. We'll 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 chat. Uh, yeah, I I think that's funny. Um, I just want to I just want to keep it going so that uh, so that I don't have to do any more editing. So I'm just filling filling dead air. Oh, we're just filling your time. Yeah, here? we're just we're just filling the time. I don't know how okay. long he's gonna be, but uh, I. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna
1: Do <laughs> you know like it's times like these where you I had a like in a different podcast I had a technical difficulty and you know that uh the Moss Eisley bar music when like oh. they first walk in yeah I started playing that that's like the best intermission music yeah ever I think do right? I
0: have any uh any royalty-free music <laughs> I can play no I don't. I don't
1: think this podcast is gonna need to worry about yeah that's true <laughs> getting enough listenership that's true for uh for the ghost of walt disney to hunt us down for uh, (laughs) royalties on using that
0: and and if they did i'd be like okay i'll just take it down (laughs) i'm not not that worried about it it's just us us venting yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) the i like this little intermission uh maybe we can put an ad here it's
1: well the (laughs) Like I know in my PPI, I th- I talked about my bike ride, right? Where the spirit told me Joseph Smith made it up. Mm-hmm. But the part of the book of Mormon I was listening to was a big run on sentence or like an yeah. awkward structural item. And I was like, it's, um, I might even look it up, but it's when Alma and Amulek are like teaching and testifying. And then um, some random guy who's only named once and only shows up to ask this one question. He shows up and he says, Concerning the resurrection, are you talking about something like absurdly p- specific or this other absurdly specific thing? And then Elmer <laughs> Al- Amulek says, now this is a thing I was about to explain. And I thought the thought I had, how convenient.
0: It's a how convenient. And, answer and then period. I
1: was awash in the spirit. <laughs> this is all made up.
0: <laughs> it's so funny. It's yeah. like, and I, I think too, what's even more funny is that you have one person chiseling away. And then not only that, but you have another person a thousand years later abridging it.
1: Abridging it and rechiseling it.
0: <laughs> and, and so there's like, there's two steps. It's not even like he, it's just a, you know, stream of consciousness for him, right? It's like, yeah. no, no, he, maybe it was stream of consciousness, but then somebody edited this. Somebody else came in.
1: And edited it into unintelligible stream of consciousness garbage.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Still, right? Yeah. It's like, it doesn't, doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah. Yeah.
1: I think, I think the, like the childhood indoctrination with, with like the book of Mormon reader and all those picture stories and picture books. It, I don't know if it's intentional or not. I always just thought of these epic stories in the book of Mormon and never really thought about the content in the book.
0: Yeah. Yep. And
1: that was what I was always really, cause it even when I call it a stream of consciousness, piece of garbage that as much as I laugh about it, when I say that, that actually breaks my heart to say that because I loved this book so much. Yeah. And a big part of why I loved it so much was because of these stories that I grew up reading that were basically the same as the Greek mythology stories that my dad would read to me as well. Mm -hmm. They were all in this epic kind of mythological story section of my brain. And like, I just loved them.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like there's that weird attachment. I had a hard time leaving where I thought, Oh, maybe, you know, maybe it's still an amazing book. You know, maybe he was just a great author. It's like, no, no, it's not. It's really, you, really not.
1: Do you, I wrote a shitty book once for Did National you? Novel Writing Month.
0: Oh, you and, when you just like wrote a book? Well, if I wrote 50,000 words. Oh, very cool. Of
1: semi-intelligible, you know, and I mean, if I copied and pasted pages and pages out of the Bible, I really probably could It probably would have been 500 pages after that. But the feat of writing words, you know, semi-intelligible yeah. words, that it's not a Herculean effort. No. Especially when you think about Joseph Smith had no TV, no yeah. anything. All he did was sit around and tell stories all day. Yeah. So yeah. To...
0: And he was trained in orating too, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Brother Brown or Brother Paul. I'm back. Sorry I'm about that. Back. No problem.
2: I, was actually, okay? I actually thought it would have been, yeah, I thought it would have been hilarious if I could come back and say that it was the missionaries. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it was just a friend coming to pick something up. So. That would have been
0: incredible if it was the missionaries yeah. should have had them on.
2: Yeah. I don't even know if they're serving again yet. I haven't seen yeah, or heard anything for ages. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. They aren't not... here. Yeah. Interestingly,
1: I actually rent out a basement suite to missionaries. Mm. <laughs> getting my tithing back one rent check at a time. <laughs> um, all right, fair enough. But they, yeah, they do like nothing all day. They cut our grass once a week. But other than that, yeah. they are like, they Facebook message random people, but you can only send like 50 Facebook messages before yeah. they Facebook. Like you can only send 50. You can message 50 random individuals a day and that's it. So yeah. it's yeah. like they've got two hours. They do their Facebook smash. Or jam, then they go to the chapel and play basketball. And yeah. uh, I think flirt with sister missionaries and then cut our grass and that's all they do.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. because but... yeah, you still can't do the door-to-door stuff or anything with the COVID things. So. No, yeah.
0: no. And uh, they, I mean, they don't even really do much door knocking now anyways, eh? Like it's mostly...
2: I, I, I don't know. I've seen them out the bat sometimes. But, yeah. you know, I've, I've been out of the church 13, 14 years now and they've never once knocked on my door, so... Um, I've often thought about what I'd do if if they did come and knock on my door. How, how would I react to it? So, <laughs> how, um, how how do you think you'd react? Well, I, I wouldn't be a jerk about it because I mm-hmm. know what it's like to do what they do. But right. you know, one time I thought maybe I should, you know, I thought we we could have some fun with it and you know act like I think they're the strippers I ordered or whatever. You know, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh wow, you guys came dressed as Mormons. Oh, oops, <laughs> all right, my wife's in the other room. You go in, I'll be in in a second. but but yeah i'd probably just say look come in have a cold drink or whatever as long as you don't talk about religion just come and relax but yeah 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 um
0: yeah that that, that's probably about how i'd react you know come in grab some food hang out if you want but you know i'm not i'm not joining the club other than
2: religion and you're cool yeah
0: yeah yeah
2: Yeah. uh But but you just know that even if you tell them that at some point, they're going to break the rule anyway and, and, and try to bring it in. They're into going to the bring it up. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
0: do you believe in uh, happiness? It's like, uh, oh, no, I know where this is going. It's like <laughs> oh. one, little, one little thing.
2: Uh, yeah. Such a stupid question, too, though, because, I mean, who doesn't believe in being yeah. happy? <laughs> you... I
1: remember, yeah, as like a new missionary asking some of those we called them golden questions. We'd say yes. GQing, we go GQing on the street. Golden yeah, yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah, and I remember like saying some of them. I'm like, "Do you think families can be together forever?" And they're like, "Yeah." And I was like, "Well, that's not what you said when you got married." Till <laughs> death do us part. <laughs> they're like, Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shame Ooh, on you. I'm
2: guessing you didn't. Ha- I'm guessing you didn't have a lot of success with that approach.
1: Not, no, definitely the first year and a half was terrible. Um, yes. But what else? Like, what else was? Has, I remember just some of the. Do you ever wonder why there's so many churches? No. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> what? How can you not? How can you not wonder about my whole life? I've been taught that denominations are important. What do you mean you don't think? It? Nobody cares about what church I go to. Like.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Uh, uh well see most of the people in Australia will say that they're Christian just by default more than anything else. Like Yeah. Yeah. You know, most right. of them have never set foot in the church, don't really have never read the Bible, don't really know what they believe. It's just, oh, we get holidays, for Christmas and Easter, so I'm <laughs> yeah. Christian. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's how I go. I go where the holidays are. If there if there's yeah. a religion that gives me more holidays, sign me up i yes, there. Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. It's funny, actually. What, what, when, when I got the, the, the job I'm in now, they, they have a thing. They allow you to have extra, extra days off during the year for like religious holidays or important holidays. And so they were like, oh, you know, what what extra days off would you like to have? I was like, uh, how about Star Wars Day, May the 4th? Let, let's have that <laughs> off as a religious holiday. Um, and then I was like, my birthday? And they're like, really? There's no religious things? I was like, no, no. Um, i mean ramadan i don't care
0: <laughs> you're like yes i will take all of ramadan may 4th yeah, yeah. my birthday yeah. and my half birthday yeah. too please and thank you
2: yeah. yeah 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 then i'm like okay what about sporting events let's just say that that's a, a, a holiday <laughs> yeah. yes
0: i will take the rugby world cup off uh, yes. <laughs> and i'll need a bonus <laughs> check so that i can travel to it
2: yeah. that, that is exactly it it was awesome
0: so, I love that.
2: Yeah, I am. But yeah, it, it, It's funny. Well, you talk about the missionary thing. This is something else that sort of had me questioning for, for a while. It's um, I, I, I've worked in sales for most of my life. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. I got back after my mission and I got into car sales and they gave me this thing that they called road to sale, hmm. which is basically the steps you take in order to you know get a sale. I'm like, this is just straight up the commitment pattern. <laughs> right? like, it, they use different words, but it was the commitment pattern. I'm like, <laughs> And I hadn't thought of it before then, but I'm like you know, the whole missionary thing—it's just a, a sales pitch. Yeah, you know, that's complete. There's nothing spiritual or original about it. It's just standard sales.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, get them to uh, say get, yes get, as much as possible. Yeah, get yeah, them to you commit. To know
2: them. You relate your products to to their lifestyle and needs. You get a commitment out of them to do something by the end of your meeting. I mean, yeah, it's all straight. Which I guess is probably why I got good at sales. I was like, well, if I can fucking sell mormonism to japanese people i can sell <laughs> anything you know so yeah <laughs> that's a tough sell <laughs> yeah yeah
1: i remember learning because like with preach my gospel they kind of watered down the commitment pattern i think oh yeah like i heard in, about
2: that, that yeah that, that came out a few years after i came home I yeah think they so, kind of changed things a bit yeah
1: so i started with it and it kind of it wasn't as explicit It was just Mm. like ask questions like, will you do this thing? But not Mm. the commitment pattern is what like older, like missionaries before me had done. But I remember getting a lot of advice from missionaries who are really successful using the commitment pattern and then learning Mm. it that way Mm. and then becoming more successful. But in my mind, I didn't realize I was being, I was a, I was like Peter, James, and John. I was proclaiming the truth. And this was the method you use to convert people. I didn't associate it in my mind at all that I was becoming a sleazier and sleazier salesperson as I was becoming more and more successful.
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, because they even um they watered down the discussions and everything as well. I believe after after I came home, I think um well yeah, I came, I finished at O one, and then my younger brother a couple of years later went on his mission. And when he was serving, they changed everything. Hmm. So yeah, so yeah, they, they changed the discussions and the lesson plans and. Yeah, yeah, all of, the,
1: yeah, all, all of that. Of
2: that. So yeah, because the word of God is constant, and changing. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah.
0: No, no, that's just that's just policy. That's just that's just policy. You don't. Oh yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. Right. that can change yeah.
2: too if there's a revelation. You know what we
1: got <laughs> told about? Preach my gospel, and I know this because I wrote it on the inside of my copy of Preach My Gospel was, um, prepared in heaven and compiled on earth seriously oh yeah it was basically like (laughs) the way they talk about it was like this manual was basically scripture no other missionary manual has been through every member of the quorum of the 12 apostles and the first presidency (laughs) and i remember hearing that when i was like 16 or 17 when it came out and i was like really this is the first time all 15 of them sat down and read the book. <laughs> <laughs> like...
2: yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, it's one of those things where we look back at it and, and like, that's, that's not right. But at the time you look at me, Oh, this is so amazing. Yeah. yeah <laughs> the whole exact- forum of the well, that- 12 has approved this for me. This yeah, is exactly. so oh, yeah.
0: funny. Yeah. I love stuff yeah. like that. Uh, yeah. So-
1: So Paul, like you, brother Paul, you've been out of the church for 13 years and then you started up book of boredom fairly recently. What, what prompted you to start a podcast kind of,
2: well, I had a podcast for a couple of years, uh, going back to my story with my son. Um, it turns out international parental child abduction is a really big deal. Okay. There's, um, I, I connected with hundreds of parents around the world who went through similar experiences And um, really, really difficult stuff. So I had a podcast for a while called LBP Stories, which is Left Behind Parents. Hmm. Okay. um, Where I basically just gave people a platform to share their stories about losing their child or recovering their child or you know, children who'd been separated from parents that as adults have reconnected, that sort of stuff. Um, I did that for a couple of years. It was really good, but obviously it was very serious subject matter. Mm -hmm. And I found after a while it became very mentally draining for me to kind of relive it week in, week out. Yeah. Um, so I gave I gave that up. But since then, I've wanted to do another podcast, but I've wanted to have have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, um, you know, I felt like I'm, a, I'm a fun person in, in general. I want to try to make people laugh. I, I didn't want to do anything serious. Yeah. And then I, re- I reconnected. Actually, me and Patience kind of lost contact for, for a couple of years. And then I, I reconnected with her at the start of the year. We started chatting. And we were, we were two friends as kids that were always joking together and bouncing off each other. And then we we're here like 20 years later, and the same chemistry and everything was there, hmm. and you know it was like like we'd never we'd never been apart, and she was looking for for a uh, podcast project to do herself, um, and so she, you know originally I was like, well, why don't we do a Bible reread, you know, or a drunken Bible reread, but right. somebody's already doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so yeah she suggested actually she's like why don't we do the book of mormon and talk about mormonism I was like yeah all right if you, you want to do that because we thought it would be an interesting angle to have the person who was never a member and the and the ex-mormon sort of together analyzing it from two different sides yeah yeah and and, and just having fun with it and you know obviously for me you know my memory of it is pretty good and mm-hmm. you know there's a few areas i'm not as as knowledgeable about, about the best, I remember most of the church stuff still. Um, so, you know, along the way, I'm like, oh, this cut, you know, I can talk about the, the shitty doctrines and um it's crazy the amount of racism and sexism that's in the church that you don't even think about Mm -hmm. at at the time but it's so rampantly there um and so yeah we we just kind of started with it said you know what we do where you know where can we go and then we thought let's get guests on as well and get other people to share their stories and it's kind of morphed morphed from there and it's, it's a lot of fun we're really enjoying it so
1: right there was i think it was yours that i was listening to where you talked about like there's only three women in the whole book of mormon and one of them's a whore the other one is like a hysterical mother yeah. and the other.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I looked up it, it mentioned six women by name. Right. Three right. of those, three of those are biblical women. So Eve, Mary, the mother of Jesus. And um, I can't remember who the other one was, but yeah, Bible person. And then there's only three original characters mentioned by name, which yeah. is Soraya, Lehi's wife, and, and a couple others. Again, they're not coming to mind, but none of them really have any dialogue. Yeah, other than they're questioning their husbands, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and, and I look back at it now, I'm like, How did women ever like join this church or believe this church when you know the, the only women characters in the book are like hysterical, you know, being told off by their husbands, yeah, you know?
0: or <laughs> like, or wildly manipulative,
2: yeah, 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 or, or yeah, like evil Jezebel whore or whatever, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, there's only one or two female biblical ca- characters. like Book of Mormon's got that. Nah, there, there are no strong female characters in the Book of Mormon that women can read and say, "Hey, I admire this this woman," or, or whatever. And I'm just, yeah, I look back at it now, I'm like, "Fuck, this was so sexist." Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, how how, 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 how do women ever like think that? You know, it, like I've seen women that are still in the church, like, "Oh yeah, it's a feminist church. It's all about." It's all about women and inequality. I'm like, oh shit! <laughs> it's, it's all. <laughs> oh you know, no! It's, li- it's literally wives submit to your husbands. is the yeah. whole myth. Med- you know, don't question your husband's authority. Don't don't question the priesthood. Just obey and follow and nurture. You know, and it's like, fuck.
1: Yeah, I know. Like one thing that pushed me out. <laughs> And think over the podcast, it's always like I keep saying one other thing that pushed me out the door. And (laughs) yeah, there's always one other thing. (laughs) There's always one. But we have a we have a daughter, she's five now. And Mm -hmm. I think about um about three years ago, uh, me and my wife were chit-chatting with some of the young women in the ward who are just finishing up high school. Mm -hmm. And we were just saying, Oh, what are your plans after high school? What do you think you want to do? And they were like, uh, you know, uh, maybe I'll become a a dental administrative assistant and, a, and another one said, maybe I'll be a nurse. And mm. I was like, how about being a dentist and a doctor?
2: Yeah.
1: And they're like, well, I don't know how that's going to fit in with like getting married and having kids. And
2: yeah, you I was can't like, raise a kid and go to mid school.
1: And I, I thought my daughter's not doing this. This yeah. is not yeah. happening. To my little girl, if she wants to be an astronaut, mm. she can. Yeah, yeah. She's not planning her life from high school graduation around when she's having kid, the imminent childbearing in the next five years. She's expecting like, yeah, that's yeah, exactly, not happening, right?
2: Exactly. I say that to my daughter all the time. My daughter's ten. Right. And I'm like, you, you do and be whatever you want to be. Like, yeah. you, you have my you have, whatever it is, you've got my full support. But it's it's funny. I don't have many Mormon friends left. I've got a couple on Facebook. And every now and then you'll see the post going, oh, we're so proud of little Billy. He's just turned eight and he's made the decision to get baptized. I'm like, has he though? Yeah, made the <laughs> decision. He, right. he, he's not, met, you know, an eight-year-old kid is not capable of making an eternal long commitment to, to a cause or whatever. They're doing it to keep their parents happy. And because it's expected, you know, eight year (laughs) your kid's biggest decision should be what flavor ice cream. Am I going to,
1: that's what I I was going to say was name one decision an eight year old makes like, and if you replace baptism with something else, like so proud of Billy, he chose to get up and go to school this morning (laughs) all by himself. Yeah. he chose to go to bed at 7 30 all by himself
2: yeah. he yeah. chose kids, to
1: eat his brussels sprouts for dinner yeah. kids don't yeah. choose anything
2: right and and yeah my, my daughter's incredibly smart like she really is and, but even when she was eight i was like there's no way she would have been capable of making that, that sort of decision you know mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah but but of course if we said to the church, you have to wait until they're 18 before they get baptized, they'd freak out because nobody would hit 18 and then want to be baptized. <laughs> yeah. I, know,
1: I, have, I have one uncle who um, he, he's a convert and he dated my aunt while they're all through high school, but then he didn't end up joining the church until he was 20 something and then they got married right away. And yeah. when I was in youth, he'd, he'd tell me, he'd be like, you know what, I did it the right way. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, I skipped seminary, skipped a mission skipped all, you know, he's like, I just waited till I <laughs> and then got married right away. But yeah. it's like, you're exactly right. Like, um, I know like when we first stopped going, we'd have the passive aggressive mother-in-law, whether it was my mom or my, my mother-in-law trying to influence the kids. And, and my wife would get a bit defensive about it. And I'd say, honey, the best defense against the kids getting baptized is the church. She's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, tell the kids if they come home from grandma's house saying they want to get baptized, tell them everything they need to do for the rest of their life. And they won't want to do it. Tell them they have to get 10% of their allowance and that like, they've got to go on a mission and they've got to read this boring book and they've got to go to early morning seminary and tell them all the laundry list of things they can and can't do. And they will run.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I think uh, I think if I even sent my daughter to to a church, they'd probably chase her out with uh, you know burning stakes and stuff. (laughs) uh, Yeah, she well she yeah she's very strong on LGBTQ rights and Black Lives Matter rights and. you know, very outspoken. And, and, you know, she, she's a little fireball as far as, you know, anti-religious stuff goes and that's that. So. yeah. Well, <laughs> if I even tried to send her into a church, they would like try to cast the devil out of her. So. <laughs>
0: I'd like to see him try. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. So where is, I, I'm curious what, because you mentioned your dad uh, is yeah. he's, he's left as well. Like where's the rest of your family at?
2: yeah I was yeah I was very lucky uh, when I left Seattle. I was inactive for a while my parents were still strong during that period and were always trying to talk me back and then my oldest brother was also kind of inactive for a while and funnily enough my parents sometimes referred to us as layman and Lemuel yeah because <laughs> um, then my other two brothers were still really hardcore in the church so, so I'm number three of four
0: okay
2: um, and so yeah the weird thing was when I, when I read the books I was talking about and I started to really question it. I reached out to the next brother above me because he was always the strong spiritual leader in the family. And so I thought, well, it, you know, it was like a last-ditch effort for me. It was like if anybody's going to make sense of this for me and, 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 and help out, it'll be him. So I called him up and I said, look, I've been reading this stuff. I've got these questions. And his response to me was, well, I can't help you there because I've learned that it's all bullshit. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> Uh, Because first of all, I'd never heard him even come close to swearing in my entire life, but also the fact that that's what he said. I was like, what, what, are you kidding me? And it turned out, I didn't know it at the time, but both of my older brothers, independent of each other, had started questioning the church and had found similar books and stuff to what I'd found. Um, And so they had been emailing and talking back and forth about the stuff that they'd found out. And so, so they, then they join me in the conversations and I started learning more and more and more. And I was like, whoa. You know, I, I had no idea that either of them were even at that point. Hmm. And, so we, and so, yeah, we, we sort of, we all then together kind of studied and, and looked into it and we all kind of realised it wasn't true and, and, and whatever. So I was the first one to kind of publicly leave and, and make, make it clear that, that, that I'm out. Um, but the, the funny thing was... Um, my parents, wanting to bring myself my oldest brother back, went to visit brother number two to kind of say, how can we work on this together? How can we come up with a plan to, to bring these two back? And, and so it kind of fell on him on him to be the one to say, you know, well, all, all three of us are out. And um, so the, the funny thing is my dad, to his credit, my, um, my dad said, well, show me the things that you've read so that I can look at them myself. And his intention, of course, was to read them and debunk them and bring us back. But when he read them, he was the same as us. He's like, you know, nearly 50 years in the church, I had no idea about this. And and so my parents read it and they they came to the same conclusion as us. So within about a six-month period, pretty much all of us came out and then we, we shared it with my younger brother as well and, and he came out. Um, so, so yeah, it was, it was good in that we all got out together. Um unfortunately, my dad found it hard because he was a bishop a few times. He was in high councils and he started feeling a lot of guilt for advice that he gave to people Mm. and things that he did. And, you know, the fact that he raised us in this lie and he's really had trouble dealing with that. Mm. So even though we said, look, we had a great childhood, we got no regrets, we're happy. Um, You know, he even reached out to a couple of gay people he counselled in his time as bishop. Um, to apologize to them. And they both said, look, it wasn't you. It was the message, not the messenger. You know, like, mm-hmm. if, if you were a bishop, another bishop would have been telling us the exact same thing. Um, but, yeah, it was a real struggle for them. Um, and then all of my mum's side of the family is still in the church. And so mum's had a bit of a blowback from I mean, them. They're, they're all the ones in England. Mm, but, right. um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's the only sort of family troubles we, we've had from it. Is all of mum's England family is like, no, our eternal family has fallen apart. So, and yeah, I think because I was the first to kind of publicly come out, they kind of see me as being like the devil one. I'm the one that turned mm. all the others away. So, so the England family doesn't really talk to me anymore. But what do you do? Yeah, yeah. So, well, it's but um, I yeah I, I think
0: it's i guess nice you know like while you were saying that you know you left and then you told your you asked your brothers and they're like oh yeah like yeah we're gone yeah, too yeah, we're- and, and then like oh, your yeah. whole immediate family is just like oh yeah okay yeah, <laughs> it, yeah I was, it,
2: like, like i said, i'm very lucky because i know for a lot of people that doesn't happen and yeah. no matter how long you're out of the church the family's all still trying to get you back and and, and whatever but yeah yeah it was just good that all of us we all uh, I, I guess it came down to us all the love and respect we all had for each other. Right. right. Like, like you know, well, it wasn't the case of hey, I've read this and I'm questioning, and then the response being, well, that's just Satan deceiving you, and you're not being faithful enough. You know, it was everybody was like, well, no, let's see what you found then, because if there's something strong enough to convince you that it's not true, then there's obviously something to it. You know? right, so, right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So again, it, one of the advantages, I guess, of growing up in a close family is we we had that respect for each other.
0: Yeah. That is really nice. And I, I, I think it's nice that you frame it as a a respect. I've never thought of it that way. The respect to, you know, hear somebody else's point of view and say, oh, well, I know this person's smart. Like I respect their intelligence and Mm -hmm. their, their ability to reason and think through things and then be able to, you know, take that and be like, okay, well, right. Like they're not just crazy right they're not just being yeah. deceived or anything like that yeah, yeah. and it, it made me think maybe families can be together forever <laughs>
2: <laughs> maybe. i know a lot of families who don't want to be together forever and i can't blame them either but, um yeah, yeah, it's funny, you know, I often say, you know, I had people say to me that leaving the church was taking the easy way out, you know, because you weren't strong and enduring to the end. I'm like, no, it's the opposite, man. It takes guts to actually leave yeah. the church, you know, because yeah. you're leaving your family, your friends, your whole support network. Like, it, it's fucking hard to, to walk away from the church. Yeah. Yeah. You know? and, um, yeah, some it's harder than others, but, yeah, it's definitely not the easy way out. The easy way out would be to stay in there and say, well, I don't really believe it, but I'll keep going through the motions because it's all I know it's comfy so, yeah 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 so yeah. yeah getting out involves a complete upheaval of your life and a complete restart on so many things yeah yeah that's interesting so, bishop do yeah, you have... so anybody anybody listening who's wondering you have fucking guts between what you're doing so you know for sure yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah bishop do you have any any more questions um
1: i'm like i'm good for tonight um brother Mm. brother paul any final thoughts on uh leaving the church on building a new life on moving on from mormonism
2: yeah look for me no doubt it's been the best decision i've ever made Mm. um my life is so much happier without the church like um when i got out it may have been similar for you guys i had the, the period of well who am i now what do i stand for now what's my moral compass you know like And it gave me the opportunity to just open my eyes to the whole world and see what was out there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the church says to you that there's only evil outside of the church and, you know, there's only good and wholesomeness and love within the church. And if you fall away, you know, your life will fall apart. It's the complete opposite. You know, it's a big beautiful world out there with some, you know, some wonderful people that, you know, if I was still in the church, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to meet and get to know. Um, I've become a real science nerd since I got out of the hmm. church. So I'm, I'm studying uh, science at university now, I'm trying to get my bachelor's degree in science. Cool. Um, because again, you know, growing up, always thinking that God did it, I was like, "Well, why bother learning about science? You know, yeah. God did it all." Um, but in my, you know, when I started questioning the church, I started questioning everything, and yeah. so I started studying science and evolution and the Big Bang and the universe and all that. I'm like, man, this stuff is awesome. It's So mind blowing, looking at the universe and thinking what's out there. So, and just life in general. Like I'm less judgmental than I used to be. I'm more open to people. You know, I've got friends of all different, you know, sexualities, genders, religions, spectrum. That again, if I'd stayed in the church, I'd I'd never have gotten the chance to to know. So, um, first, the first little while after getting out of the church is hard, but it's a big, beautiful world out there, and you can have a much happier life outside of the church than than what you had in there. So um but yeah if I could get any message across I guess that would be it. It's don't don't be afraid. Life will get better. It always does. So
0: I love that. I love that. Yeah. Well brother 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 in the name of
2: Jesus Christ yeah. Amen.
0: Amen. You beat us to it. So, I was gonna thank you all for all your testimony. You know, <laughs> so.
2: yeah. Amen. I love it. Yeah, so, yeah.